for some reason, I just was not scared. I was fine. I sat on my bed and felt that my spirit was coming together and whooshing and coming up and wanted to be dragged out my body. And this is the feeling I got was that this is like a suction pad on top of my head. And it sucked my spirit, if you will, out of my body. My guest today is Susie Pearl, a best-selling author and TEDx speaker. Susie is a brain cancer survivor who outlived predictions of having a lifespan of just a few weeks left to go. And during this time, she had a near-death experience. She's currently writing another book about her NDE and also writing a film treatment for this to become a Hollywood movie. Susie, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. Susie, would you like to give us a little bit of background on your life up to the day of your NDE, and then we could go from there? Yeah. I had a fast and colourful life as a celebrity PR. I was looking after artists, big music artists, and I had my own PR agency in London, and it had offices around the world. And I was looking after people like Michael Jackson and Madonna and the Spice Girls and all and people like this. I was having a great time running around. Very, very busy. I'm you know, running my own thing, lots of pressure, lots of press and deadlines and so on. So I was living a stressed life, but a fun life. And previously to that, I'd studied a lot about mind technology, about hypnosis. I was lucky enough to work with Paul McKenna, Richard Bandler, who co-created NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. So I'd done a lot of mind work and I knew the power of the mind and how we can work with it to create extraordinary things and healing. I've done a lot of healing work with theta healing and various other modalities. So I was a celebrity running around fast person, a kind of mind technologies expert and had a lot of techniques in my belt. Thank goodness, as it turned out. <laughs> so tell us about the day of your NDA. Okay, how I got to be in hospital with a brain, with identified with brain cancer. I started forgetting things. I was losing my place and not knowing where I'd park my car. And I went to meet a friend and I didn't know where I was or how to get there. And she was concerned. So she took me into hospital to get checked, which I didn't want to do, but she made me do it. She's a very persuasive Serbian woman, my neighbor. She's brilliant. So she bundled me off and told the doctors that I'd been forgetting things. They did me a brain scan and found that I had this humongous brain tumor in my head. And it wasn't looking good for me. The doctor said, I can't dress this up. You've only got a few weeks. Write a will, get your affairs together and get ready. So I had this very strong intuitive voice speaking to me going, your storyline is to stay, write books, tell people, talk to people about what happens and you're going to get through this. So I believed that and not really any, except my son, no one else believed that. So I was in hospital. Eventually I did agree to go to hospital after my family really pushed me to do it. And so I went to Cambridge University Hospital. I was in hospital. And one day I was on my bed and I just knew this day I was going to die. I had this strong, strong feeling. I wasn't scared. For some reason, I just was not scared. I was fine. I says, okay. So I sat on my bed and I began to meditate. I've been a meditator for about 15 years. I work a lot with the David Lynch Foundation. I'm a big fan of TM meditation, transcendental meditation, and had done it for many years. I sat on my bed and 
felt that my spirit was coming together and whooshing and coming up and wanted to be dragged out my body. And this is the feeling I got was that this is like a suction pad on top of my head. And it sucked my spirit, if you will, out of my body. And I felt myself leaving my body. I knew this was a spectacular event. So I, I went with it, you know, and I, I, I felt my spirit leaving. I then found myself out of my body, looking down upon my body. And I felt like I was whizzing around the universe. It was like I was being given a tour of heaven. And I was very comfortable with this. I wasn't scared. It wasn't scary to me at all. And it felt like floating through an ocean of stars. And it was a very peaceful, very beautiful place to be. And it was very expansive, obviously, being out of the container that is my body. And as I went on this journey, I don't know, people say to me, how long were you there for? There is no time construct in this place when we get out of the body. And modern scientists talk about in the quantum field that time and space don't really exist. It's more of a human construct. And I understand that now. I got a message telepathically, if you will, or in my spirit form that I had the option to go back into my body. Did I want to do this? And this is a one-time choice point. If it was yes, I could go back in. If it was no, I would stay in this paradise place. I'm a mum, and I have a, a young son to look after. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I had to return. I wanted to be looking after my son. So I instructed myself to go back into my body. Bam, white flash. Poof, I was back in immediately, like immediately. And as I came back in, I realized, one, nothing would be the same ever again. Two, I have a new operating system. I see things differently. Three, it's like I had a relationship with myself, with the world, with the universe, which is completely different. And I would have to reintegrate in a different way and deal with life differently and have to deal with the, all the repercussions of that and the difficulties of those people around me, of how they were going to deal with me. So it was, it was the reintegration was almost the most difficult part of this journey. As I came back in, I felt amazing and slightly blasted, let's say. I was like, whoa, what happened there? Subsequently, I had another MRI scan at the hospital shortly after this experience. And the doctor, wonderful doctor at Cambridge, came back in. He's one of the world's experts on oncology and what I had. And he walked in and he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. And he was shaking his head. He said, we don't understand the results of this scan. The previous scan showed this huge tumor. Now the results are quite extraordinary and I have no explanation. He told me that the tumor had gone. There was no scarring and it was like it had never been there. Bam, just like that, I got healed. And I was trying to process this information. I didn't really answer. I'd never heard of an NDE. I didn't know what an NDE was. I began to do research later and found out about near-death experience. And what I found out was that my experience 
was very similar to what other people experience as NDEs. There are many common denominators and there are many great people, including scientists who have written books on this and studied this very carefully. It's a very interesting subject. And now I've met many people who've had, I think they're more common than we realize. Myself, in my normal day-to-day life, met many people now who have had similar experiences and I talk to them, they're very similar. My experience was that I healed from brain cancer and I got a new operating software. And I now feel compelled to tell this story because it's a good one. And it gives an insight into what life is about, what happens when we die, and what death is about. And therefore, it informs how to live life and live life in a way that is expansive, that is using our consciousness for the highest good and learning how to use our consciousness in ways that perhaps in our small frame of growing up in the education system that, that we are in on this planet, it doesn't really allow too much for learning about consciousness and the power of the mind. I'm now going to reference backwards to my time studying mind technology, studying hypnosis, studying altered states of reality that I did in my pre-life, my pre-NDE life. So it all linked together. It was like everything was working towards this moment of me popping out my body, expanding my consciousness and coming back in. As I was going in for the scan in hospital, I was told telepathically, if you will, that I said, what's going on here? And they said, but you've got a very big storyline and you will write about this and you will inform many, many people about what you're going to learn. And the power of the mind, the power of consciousness, and the power we have as human beings to heal. So I understood why this had happened. I wasn't confused about why. I was stunned by how it happened and the actual event itself. It was quite extraordinary to experience this. And I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for all of the story. I'm grateful for having this illness, healing from this illness, coming back in, and having a platform to be able to convey it to others in a way that will be helpful, I hope. It's comforting to know that there is beautiful land or a beautiful realm on the other side of life. When people come to me now and say, oh, I've lost someone dear to me, I can no longer say, oh, that's so sad, I'm so sorry, because I don't feel sad, because I know that they have gone to this most beautiful place where there is no illness, there is no grief, there's no strife. It's literally heavenly. (laughs) So I can no longer commiserate. I can congratulate, but not commiserate. And I feel now that every day is precious. Every day is a gift and that we have to honor our gifts. Stop the complaining, stop the gossiping, stopping seeing the grubby bits of life, the underbelly of life and stop worrying, stop, really stop complaining. And what I learned was the importance of our thoughts, our words, our emotions. They need to be strong, positive emotions. All of this drives reality, drives the experience that we have. So we're already taught this as young people. 
But it's important that we must remember that everything we speak is like a spell. You know, we talk about writing and spelling. It's a spell. We are telling the universe, instructing the universe on the cosmic level what we wish to experience in life. Now, there's a lot of talk these days about law of attraction. All of these physics, brilliant people speaking about it. Dr. Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, all these kind of expert scientists are reflecting on how modern day science is informing us about consciousness and about reality and about how we create our reality. For many people, I understand that's a step too far. Wow, I can't get to grips with this. So many people, understandable, because we're not taught it. It's not in mainstream parlance. But boy, are we getting very, very clear now. And there's what, that's why we have platforms like this, where we can discuss with each other beyond the science territory about the power of consciousness, the power of your mind, and how to conduct life at the mind level in a way that will create a better life for you and the planet. And the more we become aware of our powers and how to use and manipulate our mind power, so only still using these three, four things, how we use words, how we use ideas and what we vision and focus on, how we feel and our emotions, and importantly, intentions. When we set an intention, the universe conspires to bring that to us. I like coffee and I go to a lot of coffee bars and I listen and I'm a writer. So my job is listen and observe. Since all of this happened, I've learned a lot of big stuff about life. I, I love to share it. I listen to people's conversations and I hear blah, 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 blah. How are you doing? Hi, how are you doing? Oh. And out come a load of like dreadful explanations about what's going on in life. And very few people, I, I saw a guy this morning in my coffee shop and I know him really well. He's a nice guy. And he said, hey, Susie, how are you doing? I said, no, I said to him, hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. How are you doing? And I said, you know what? I'm also doing great. And it occurred to me as we were having this exchange, it's rare, sadly, for people to say things like this to each other. I'm great. I'm really great. Things are going good. Quite rare. We've learned to swap stories and share terrible tales with each other. The woes and the glooms and the, oh, he did this, she did that, or misery, or I haven't got enough of this, I haven't got enough of that. No, because then you are instructing your powerful mind, the most powerful computer in the universe to create that reality. Now, I know many people go, man, this is like crazy. It's not. I have been to the other side. I've been out of my body. I've seen how it works. And I'll give you an example. When I set the intention to come back into my body, it happened, bam, just like this, really fast because I set the intention. I was asked if I wanted to. I was given the option. I said, yeah. But I was, when I decided I did want to come back, it was instantaneous. And this is how the world can work. Things can happen instantaneously in the quantum field. Believe it. If you doubt it, have a look at some of the science that's being put out in layman's terms by these great people, these great psychologists, scientists, modern day people looking at the philosophy of life. And you will see that the science backs up the concept that 
we create everything in our worlds through this consciousness. So let's get good at it. Let's do it better. And my mission now for the rest of my life, I'm not a young spring chicken, but I feel it actually. <laughs> my mission now is to have a wonderful, great life that I feel is the best I can make it. And for me, there are no edges to that. I have all sorts of adventures planned for this year. The reason you had trouble getting me in the diary is because I plan a lot of adventures. I have a lot of adventures now because every day is a gift and I want to live. I want to experience life. don't want to stay in a little tiny box. And I'm a, a simple person. I don't have a big hedge fund. I don't have tons of money in the bank. I am a simple person. I live very simply in nature, in, in Ibiza, actually, which is a, a place of joy and celebration, dancing, laughter. People make a habit of it. People come here on holiday to absorb that energy. I made a choice to move from London, the city, to live here 10 years ago because I thought I wanted to be in the energy of life and enjoying life. So I'm making it my business to make sure that I have a really good life and teach my family, my child as well, about the importance of what we can do to live a happy and contented life. Thanks for that, Susie. I'm glad I stayed up to listen to this story. It's quite inspirational. I've got a few questions for you. Okay. Uh, the first one is, so when you initially, I'll just go back to your NDE, and when you initially left your body and you said you were showing the universe, was there some transition between, okay, I can see my body and then I'm being shown the universe, or was that pretty much instantaneous in one place and then the other? This concept of time is, it's like everything is happening at the same time. It's very hard for us to understand that mm. as humans. But this is what a lot of these modern scientists are talking about, that, there is only now, people like Eckhart Tolle and so on, speak about be present, show up in the now, because yesterday and tomorrow don't really exist. In the same way, when I went up, everything was happening as a continuum. There wasn't a kind of before, after, middle, and then this happened. It was all just one thing. And it's very hard for us to understand that because we are linear in our thinking and our constructs, the way we construct the world. We're little, we go to school, we grow up and our journey follows through. And we see on a linear timeline. It's in reality, in the cosmic world, it, there isn't a linear timeline. So I can't really give you a specific on that because there isn't. Yeah, that's interesting. I had another one of my guests who had an NDE where he, you mentioned this sea of souls, or ocean of stars, I think you use that term. Yeah. He used the term a sea of souls. Do you think the stars that you saw were souls or were they literally stars or not sure? In this cosmic place, it's very hard to be factual or to know or to understand what these illustrations, metaphors are. The stars that I felt I saw, they, it was the feeling I got was like a night sky or a bright sky, let's say, with lots of galaxies. It looked a bit like that, those images we see when we look at galaxies being shown by people like Brian Cox, who looks at the universe on a big scale. I love that. And I, that's the kind of feeling I got is there's just lots. We aren't the only galaxy. There's a lot going on here and we are tiny little specks in the universe. And one of the things, for example, 
if I was feeling sad or worried about life, I can look at one of these images which says, you are here, this tiny little speck. A galaxy is a tiny little speck in this big plethora of amazing, infinite sense of stars and space. And, you know, the space that we occupy is here on planet Earth is minuscule in the big story of the whole of existence. We're a tiny speck, a pinhead in the big scheme. So why worry, frankly? You're on a pinhead. You're spinning around on a planet that's part of a massive galaxy. You're worried about your gas bill or you're worried about the woman next door who won't cut her hedge properly or whatever. Forget it. Grow up, expand, relax, and enjoy. Stop worrying or getting upset by things or getting annoyed by other people. It's really not a good use of your life. Think more carefully. This is my life. How do I wish to spend it? <laughs> what was that Monty Python film? Was it The Meaning of Life? Yeah. Yeah, I forget the songs. That was yeah. my first introduction That's... as a, a teenager, I think, to the idea of the infiniteness of uh, That's a good reference. <laughs> I must dig that out. I'm going to watch that later. That's fun. Really, if you're worried about what someone's done at school today or work today or they looked at you sideways and you felt rotten, forget it. You're spinning around in this massive galaxy of billions of stars. No one cares, so forget it and move on. We're here, I believe, we're here with a goal and we are here to experience life as a human being. We have joy, happiness, harmony, and we're here to really live life well. We've got it wrong in so many ways at this point in history. And looking back in history, there's been wars, fighting, people killing each other. It is crazy when you think about it. How on earth can we think it's okay to kill another life? It makes no sense. We are here to explore the joy of being human, to have consciousness, to have awareness, to have understanding, to learn, to grow, to be kind, to be compassionate to each other. Stop the wars, stop the arguing, stop the falling out, stop the judgment, and begin being in your heart, expanding into that, meditating, realizing that your consciousness and how you run your brain dictates how your life will unfold. So get good at running your mind because it's the most powerful thing you have. Get really good at it. Learn how to do it. Get some good techniques. Learn meditation. Learn how to go into deep, relaxed states. Hypnosis is good. Get in there and you can play with programs and resources that you have built in and conditioned, we're heavily conditioned. You can recondition your belief systems in a way that supports health, happiness, friendship, connection, lifestyle. Connection is really important. I want to speak about that. Connection is why we are here. We've lost connection People are going around with their phones. I can see people in restaurants going out for dinner and we're not looking at each other or speaking. They're on their phones. I just got to check this. No, let's connect in a more real way with others. And when we get into proper connection, 
building proper community, proper friendships, family, partners, communities, where we live, this, and then take it further and further. Let's begin to love everybody and get connected more deeply and more authentically with others. Stop the disconnection. You know, when we were wearing plastic shoes with plastic rubber soles, you know, we lost our connection with the earth. Walk around at least half an hour every day with your shoes off, connect with the land, walk on soil, go bathe in a forest, go to the sea, whatever it is. Get in with nature because this will affect your brainwave state and your frequency. We are all radio transmitters running around on a certain frequency, transmitting to each other. I'm transmitting to you, you're transmitting to me, and we are swapping frequencies. And these frequencies affect the nature of our thoughts and our reality and how good life turns out. And our job is to raise our frequency. We can do it through food, thoughts, environment, being nature is really good because then you get onto the harmonic frequency of the earth. And you get aligned with the frequency of the earth, everything gets easier. Things can flow to you. Abundance can flow to you. Happiness, good connections. All of these things can flow. It's a frequency-based concept. So I think it's very important that we realize that connecting with others, connecting with ourselves through meditation is a good way, for example. Connecting with the planet, not being mean to the planet, but rather understanding that it's our home. Let's look after it. It's very important that we become way more aware of our environment and the people around us and get kinder with it. I like to go for walks in nature. And I started doing this about a year ago. I live near a big natural reserve and I go for a walk every lunchtime. And I've gotten to the point now where I can't not go. I have to actually go. I'll skip other things so that I can go. <laughs> it does something and I can't really put my finger on it. What you said then helps make it a little more yeah. sense now, aligning yeah. with the yeah. vibration of the earth. Very much. Um, I'm not as diligent with meditation. As soon as I wake up, if I meditate then, I can get into it for about 10 or 15 minutes. But then mm. after that, I've, it's, all, it's like I've left it too late and then the yeah. mind takes over. Yeah. And from a brainwave point of view, it's best uh, meditation... It's great first when you first wake up. Don't even don't do anything before. Just use those even if and it's better to do it in short periods of time than think you have to have an extensive half hour or hours meditate. You don't need that. Mm. Very simply, the power of doing it, even for 10, 15 minutes when you first wake up or when you're just going to sleep, they're both really powerful brainwave states, which you can use for manifesting more profoundly. So don't get stuck into the day because once you start and you go out, that's the thing. I like to exercise. I like to meditate, exercise, and then begin my day. Because if I've done those two things, life is much better. It just is. I can create a much better world. Yeah, get into good habits, good routine. And a good routine is doing the essential stuff first so it doesn't get nudged. The exercise is one thing I always do in the morning, but the meditation, I'll keep doing that as soon as I wake up. Yeah. I've never really heard anyone mention the timing. I thought, oh, is it better to be more, a little more conscious? But, and also just before up, going to sleep as well. Yeah, it seems to times, be another time. Mm. We're in this alpha wave brainwave state. It's easy when we're in theta is get very creative. Just waking up and going in, we're in this 
heightened brainwave state, which makes it really powerful. And also from a habits and routine, I like help coach people how to create routines and habits that are going to give you a better life. And one solid way is to have a structure in your day, a framework to get things done. So make a list of things you really want to get done in your day. Put them first, not last. With meditation, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, and then you've had two hits, bam, life will change, I promise you. Mm, okay. Now, there was something I forgot to ask you about. When you had the scans, I'm cheating a little bit because I've heard you mention this on another interview, but I think it's interesting that you had three scans. Yes. And at some point you had an awareness of what those scans were going to be. Can you just tell us a bit about that and what the reaction of the doctor was? Yeah. I think it's a good story. Yeah. So I, the first scan I had, my friend, my neighbor took me to the hospital. And as soon as I described my symptoms of loss of memory and being confused and so on, or I don't know what else I said, but something made them go, you need a brain scan straight away. So I got the first brain scan and the results came back and the doctor told me to write a will and get my family here immediately. Don't wait a week. They need to come immediately and get your affairs together. He showed me the scan, this gigantic tumor on this black and white image. Wow, that's in my head. And I was in a good mood. I was feeling great. I was taking a lot of CBD oil, which was very useful. And I still take it today. And yeah, it showed a really bad situation. And as I was going in for this first scan, that was when I had this golden orb around me of angels who came in and said, you're going to have three scans. This is the storyline. One's terrible. Don't worry. The second one shrunk. The third one, clear. That's your storyline. Believe it. And that's hard for people to say. You had angels, you had golden things around you. Yeah, I did. And I'm a, a grounded, down-to-earth character. I'm not a hippie, even though I live in Ibiza. And I quite like that every lifestyle. I, you know, I've been running businesses. I've been working. I've had a stellar career and been a very grounded individual. I would not be talking about angels. I am now. This happened to me. So the second time I had the scan, I went in there and then the doctor came back with the results very quickly. And he went, it's promising. It's, well, I don't know if you use the word promising, but certainly it went from disaster zone to improved. And they were quite surprised because this was quite a short space of time. Then I had the third scan very soon after my NDE and that was clear. And they were saying, there's no scarring. That makes no sense. I've been a doctor in this area for 20 years and I've never seen this. So it was extraordinary. The three scans, terrible, better, clear, full. They put on my notes, I remember <clears throat> seeing it full remission. I didn't even know what full remission meant. I looked it up, completely healed. And I was given the okay to go back to my house and see my friends in Ibiza and sing for seven or eight months. So I left the hospital. I was very excited to plan. I had been focusing on what my future looked like. And what, even though I'm talking about there is no future, in my mind's eye, <clears throat> I had been visualizing, visualizing, because that's another thing that's really powerful with our mind and our consciousness, is the power of visualization. I'm going to write a book about that because it's so brilliant. When we visualize, we're instructing and telling our brain 
what it is we wish to create. And the brain, I learned this from my days with Paul McKenna and hypnosis. When you imagine something, the brain has not got the capability to know whether it's imagined or real. So the trick is imagine what you want powerfully, regularly, in detail. I was imagining all the time what I was going to do when I go well and I got out of this hospital. I was going to go sit on the beach, be with my friends, dance, have laughter, have lovely lunches around a table. I kept visualizing. I ordered the clothes. I ordered some beautiful beach gear that I was going to wear and a nice hat that I was going to wear on the beach because I wanted to really bring this into my reality. It worked. So I was let out and they said, okay, full remission, really surprising scan. You're off. You can go. You have to come back every six months and get checked. I said, okay, fine. I immediately, the first thing I did when I got out was book a, a flight to Ibiza where I had been living. And I went to Ibiza and I saw some friends. The first day I got back, we went out for a drink. It was around Christmas time. We went for a drink and I came back with my friend to the house. My house, I looked at it and I saw smoke coming out my front door. I thought, wow, what's going on? And I lived in a forest, beautiful house in the forest. Smoke billowing at this point coming out. And we opened the door and there was the bright, deep red flames coming out. The whole house was engulfed in thick black smoke. Major fire. So much so we couldn't get in the house. Um, the person I was with called the fire brigade. I went and got them and brought them to, into the forest where we lived. And they began trying to put the fire out. They managed to do this. We were living all around with trees and wood. There was gas cylinders there for use with the cooking. Very dangerous situation. We had flames, dry wood all over and gas bottles. Any moment it could ignite and blow. That night, and this was literally the day I got back from hospital and I got back to my home. That night, I lost everything in this house fire. All my books, all my notes, all the books I was working on, all my clothes, all my photographs, everything went up in flames. There was one thing that was left. When I went back the next morning, as my friends, there was a group of us went back, and they were like, oh my gosh, this is devastating. I'm so sorry. There was a big pile of soot where the kitchen had been, and there was one tarot card, my tarot card deck, sitting on top of the soot. This tarot card was called, was the rebirth card. If I didn't already know what this was about, this was telling me, this card was telling me, this is rebirth. We've taken you right down. We've stripped all your memories because I lost all my memory when I got ill. And now we've taken everything and you've got to start again. So I was homeless. And this is a day after I got back. <laughs> that was a rebirth on a major level. And I had to start from scratch. I had very little money, I had no home. My son was due to arrive back at any point, and I didn't know what to do. So that was when I learned about the power of community. My community, the gorgeous people around who lived around me, who I was very good friends with, 
they all got together and helped and got me some stuff, some clothes and some things and, and found out whose house would be free and we could move it. And so I was house hopping for a while, completely homeless. And I had to rebuild my life. And it was very difficult because I saw the world very differently now after my NDE. Now, I was not the person I was before. I couldn't take, I was very sensitive. I couldn't take negativity or gossip and all these things. I just couldn't handle it. And then I had to go and live in other people's houses that they kindly lent me. And it was very, very difficult. Eventually, I said, I have to have my own home. And some very kind, wealthy people in my community got together and, uh, and made that happen. And I'm still here today. You mentioned you had a new operating system. Yes. And I've had other guests talk about this sudden increase in empathic abilities, like you feel what other people feel, and that takes a while to be able to rebuild and block that off when you need to. Yeah. Is that, is, was that gift. part of your upgrade? Yeah, it's a gift to be that sensitive. But, of course, also it's a challenge. I can't be around drunk people, people in altered states and who are – in low frequency, I find that very difficult and it pulls my frequency down. I can't do it. So I've learned I have to eat very well, fresh, organic, clean food. I have to be in a good environment. I'm very sensitive. I'm ultra sensitive now. And that is difficult sometimes. I, it's been a very difficult transition back to life because then we had pandemic. I was homeless and then I had to get a new place and I hadn't got big reserves to work with. So I, it had become a very difficult flight after this NDE to get back to life with this new operating software, with this new awareness, with this new sensitivity, and without her home and all my stuff. I had no, nothing. So it was a strip back of the highest order that I went through. So I had to get philosophical about this and realize that this has happened to me for a reason. One thing I learned was that everything that happens to us in life has trace elements of things we need to learn and our big lessons. And this was a massive lesson to me. And I've learned massively. And I know that this storyline was given to me because I'm a writer. I have great contacts and a really great platform of people who want to hear what I say. So I know I was given it because I need to be talking about it and sharing this wisdom with other people and so they can help other people in some ways. And to have this level of sensitivity, it has to be carefully handled. And I have to really carefully handle where I go, my environment I go to. And I'm saying no a lot more than I'm saying yes as to things I will show up to these days. I very carefully curate my environment and my inputs. Films, for example. I had a look at Netflix last night and I was with a friend wanting to watch films. I, there were, most of it I couldn't watch. Drama, action, shooting, guns, terrorizing, killing each other. I don't want that as an input. I don't. However, I am very interested. I'm a writer. I'm artistic. I'm a creative. I like good storytelling. I love it. I love great films. But I have to be really careful what I watch. And most of the Hollywood stuff is now going for me. It's too terrifying. I don't want to terrify myself. I know that we shouldn't terrify ourselves. It's not good for the physiology of your beautifully balanced system. No. So I have to now be very careful and curate very carefully. Your story reminds me of Anita 
Anita Moyani. Anita Mujani. She's a Hay House Mujani? author. Yes, Anita Mujani. <laughs> She's written yes. a book, Dying to Be Me. Dying to and Be Me, she... yes. That was actually one of the first books about Indians that I read, but it just there's definitely parallels, obviously, between her story and yours. Is, have you yeah. met her in person? I'm in touch with her. In fact, her office kindly got me. I was looking for a new literary agent because my literary agent was unwell and wasn't had to leave the business. So I wrote to Anita's team and they very kindly put me in touch with the guy who's now my literary agent, who's wonderful. And he, he looks after Deepak job, really fantastic names in my genre. So I'm very grateful to her and she does great work. Her style and position is quite different to me. We say similar stuff, but in very different ways. As do a lot of the NDE authors, we're a tribe and we're getting the message out in different and good ways. As someone who's spoken to, and you're like the 11th or 12th person, yeah, everyone's got a, their stories have similarities, but everyone's got a different way of telling it. Everyone's got their yeah. own history and some people have become authors. Some are very reluctant to talk about it. The, mm -hmm. Some have only just started coming out. Some had happened yeah. 40 years ago and... Yeah, you know, and just started. I learned not to talk about mine when it first happened because I, when I was in hospital and I wanted to get out of hospital, and they already thought I was pretty crazy because I wouldn't allow people, doctors, and anyone coming in, including family visitors, to talk negatively, talk about the likelihood of me dying, the likelihood of me not getting through. No, I do not want to hear negative because. The brain will take it as a, a, take it without the negatives encoding it and take it as real. Like you will die or this will happen. No. So even doctors, I said, I don't want to hear your negative chat. Any negativity, don't want it. If you want to tell me how well I'm doing, great. If you want to tell me how likely I'm to die, I don't want to hear it. And so I forced others around me to talk positively. I was already a very positive person. I'd learned the power of positive conversation and output. I'd learned that already through my days with Paul McKenna and neuro-linguistic programming, where the language informs the cells what's going on. We want to tell the cells a really good story and uplift and keep them good and healthy. And you do that by good storytelling, not negative stuff, scary stuff. No. You want to talk a positive story. So it's very, very important. I've got one other question for you. How do you feel within yourself now that you're sharing this story more, at least from an online perspective? I can see that you've just started more recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason I was reluctant to say while I was still ill, because I thought everyone thought I would be so crazy and they might just medicate me and not let me out. Mm. And telling when I did get out and I started talking about it, I realized people didn't know how to handle this. This is too big. And they weren't engaging with it. And some people whose belief systems wouldn't allow this kind of story. So I learned to zip it and just not share because I didn't want to be, I didn't want people to think I was mad and crazy for talking like this. But now I've got over that. I know, I, I'm lucky because I've got books out. I wrote a book while I was ill, The Art of Creativity, which did really well. David Lynch, the film director, he was kind enough to give me a really brilliant testimonial and backed it. So I couldn't have been this crazy woman because I was a high-class creator, luckily. But had I not have been, had I just been not with these kind of accolades, 
People would just say, she's mad. She's just mad. She's talking about this crazy story. She went off to heaven. It's crazy. She's just crazy. Fortunately, I've got enough in my life, in my career, to show that I'm not an insane person. I'm an intelligent person who doesn't, who tells the truth, fortunately. So I've been able now to build an established platform to be able to speak about this without fearing how other people are going to react. And now I've realized it is my mission. And the reason I went through this is to communicate and share with others this more expansive side of life that we are all, if we're humans, we all have access to this incredible power, power for healing, power for accessing other dimensions, if we wish. I'm looking a lot about what happens with the dream world, lucid dreaming. And that's a very interesting area. I'm very interested. I've done a lot of work with uh, helping the Beckley Foundation who are researching at the John Hopkins University on psychedelics and how that might help people in situations of all sorts of things, from ADHD to all sorts of things, and how powerful and how much it's been squashed by the pharmaceutical industry over the years, the power of it for healing. And I was very, always very interested in looking at this and supporting the use of very powerful plant medicines to heal people. I believe that's a good thing. I don't believe that plants will, can be growing that are bad. I believe that their power and capabilities have been squashed over the years because of the billion dollar industry of pharmaceuticals. That makes sense. And they have absolutely prevented and tried to stop the communication of the power of plants. But fortunately now with the internet and with the global communication, it's become increasingly hard to hold that down. But psychedelics are a powerful force for good that we can use in mental health. Mental health has become such an important topic in this world. We're at a crisis point. People are fearful. People are upset. People are terrorized with things going on in their lives around the world. In war zones and outside of war zones, kids in school, the problems with being overconnected with technology, terrible impact. So we need to have really good tools in our toolbox for recovery, for readjusting mental health, for helping people get back on track, for helping kids to get off their devices and start playing and being kind to each other and establishing good relationships in real life. And then now there's this thing of in, in real life, IRL. I'll see you, IRL. So the kids are talking about, I will see you in real life. Like it's an extraordinary thing. No, we're meant to be together. We're meant to be having fun and outdoors and connecting with other humans. We've got to get back to that. And when we do, we'll get healthy again. I'm glad you found a community that allows you to speak openly about your experience. And I'm also glad that, you know, that, that's what I'm doing as well. So I'm glad that you could be here and helping expand that uh, for me as well. So we're getting close to running out of time, but I wanted to ask you how people are going to have questions, right? Is that something that you're open to? And what's the best totally. way for people to get in touch with you? I am here to share whatever I've got that's worth sharing. And I'm really happy to do that. I love it if people get in touch. It's all 
from my website, which is susiepearl.com. And if you go there, you can find out where I am on social. You can get a contact email for me and you, you can get in touch and do get in touch. I love answering things. And I do a lot of online stuff where I open it up, take questions and talk. So whatever I can do to connect with others and to help and to communicate, I'm really happy to do. Okay, great. And have you got any final message that you wanted to leave people with before we wrap things up? I think you've got to believe in yourself, your life, and believe that we are meant to be here having fun and having a good time. I recently done a TEDx talk, and I mentioned there four or five things that I learned when I went through this. Things that are fundamental to living a good life. And it's like life hacks, ways to live life. I didn't get a chance because I had a very short time in my TED talk. So I only covered a few things. I have written it all down in an ebook. Get it on my website. It's things I learned when I had three weeks to live. And there I have detailed all the things that I learned that are big things to make life better. Have a look at that. And I think be kind, be compassionate and live your best life. And my parting words. Thanks for that message, Susie. And thank you for coming on the show to be my guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure talking to you.